Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. And it is a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope everyone's having a great start to their week. And I hope everybody's having a happy Valentine's Day. I got to be honest with you. I don't care about Valentine's Day. And luckily, I'm married to a wonderful woman who also doesn't care about Valentine's Day. So it's it's a beautiful thing. You don't need a day to tell your significant other that you care about her, that you love her. You're supposed to show that every single day. But if you have fun with it, I ain't gonna knock you. But it's just not for us. You know what I mean? It just is what it is. It's a Hallmark holiday at best. And that's just how it is in the heck household. You know, some people go all out for it, and I support you for that. Kudos to you. But we are not here to talk about what we do on Valentine's Day. No, we are here to talk about the fallout of UFC 284 and the highly anticipated, highly fascinating main event between still the lightweight champion Islam Makachev and the featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky. I have so many thoughts about all of this. But the first thing I'll say is, isn't it nice when things in cards and events and all sorts of hullabaloo, that they not only live up to expectations and sometimes unfair expectations, but they even exceed them? And that, to me, is what I remember about UFC 284. I know it has become sort of a divisive event. I know the Makachev-Volkanovsky fight has been a divisive fight. And I know the fallout from that fight has been maybe even more divisive than the rest of it. But to me, what I take away from it is it ruled. Like, that card was fun as hell. That main card was fun as hell. That main event was incredible. It was incredible. And I woke up 5 a.m. this morning so I could watch the fight again. I wanted to watch it again. I didn't want to watch it the next day. I didn't want to watch it yesterday. I wanted to watch it 
with a little bit more separation. So I woke up five o'clock this morning and I sat down and I watched it again. And here's what I'll say. It's very difficult to give a clear sense and view of these pay-per-view cards and main events when I'm watching them live, because what we've done over the past five months and we'll continue to do so is we have the watch parties. So it's me and GC on set. We usually have somebody on with us. New York Rick has been sort of the constant in the main events and there's a lot going on and we're watching the fights, but we're also talking. We can't sit there silent and just sit there and just only be glued on the fights. So I went back first yesterday and watched the reaction to the watch party that we had. And I scored the fight 48-47 for Islam Makachev. And feels like a lot of other people did as well. And then Sunday, it has just been a constant, oh, Volk got robbed, this and that. And I'm like, I must be missing something because there's so many people thinking that Volkanovski got robbed. So I'm going to give it a little space. I'm going to watch it on Tuesday morning. Woke up, watched it. I have to say nothing changed. Nothing changed. Everything I, everything I scored on Saturday or early Sunday morning, exactly the same as the rewatch today. Makachev wins round one. I thought Volk was winning round two until Makachev kind of stung him a little bit, dropped Volk to a knee. That, to me, was the most significant moment of the round. Makachev wins round two, but it is very, very close. It is a very, very close round. Closer than even I thought on Saturday. So I gave Makachev round two. I think that shot put it over the edge. Round three, still a Volkanovski round. It was closer than I thought it was on Saturday. Makachev had moments too, but in the end, I think the leg kicks, all of the movements, the strikes that Volkanovski landed, they were enough to win him the third round. Round four, kind of an interesting one, but again... I understand that we play the damage card. We do damage, damage, damage. Damage is always number one. But there's cases where it's really not number one. And this round in particular, to me, I just don't see how Makachev doesn't win that round. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. There just wasn't enough moments on the feet for Volkanovski to win him that round. Now, do I? did he land strikes while... He was in a full body triangle with his back taken. Was he talking shit? Yeah, but talking shit doesn't get you points. Landing those like little shot, like short shots, sure they accumulate, but it just wasn't enough for me to give him round four. So Makachev wins round four. Is it the most aesthetically pleasing round win that we've ever seen? Absolutely not. But it's what he needed to do to win the round. And then round five, of course, the clearest round of the entire fight. Volk did the damn thing. Incredible, incredible fifth round for Volkanovski. It was just not enough to win the fight. 48-47. It, I've, I've heard it all. Makachev won the battle. Volk won the war. Makachev won the UFC fight. Volk won the Pride Rules fight. Makachev wins the fight. Volkanovski leaves with all the momentum. And you can make cases for all of those things. But in the end, to me... Even though Volkanovski performed like an absolute savage, Islam Makachev won that fight, 48-47. Two is close. If you want to sit there and tell me Volk won round two, I'll listen to your argument. If you want to tell me Makachev won round three, I will listen to your argument. 
anything from 4847 Volk to 4946 Islam, I think are all scores that you could throw out there and back up with some sort of claims. The fight was awesome. Both guys' stocks rose. I had a million questions in terms of what I wanted to see as a fan and as a person who works in this space. And I feel like I got the answers to almost all of them. I wanted to see how Makachev would do with his back against the wall. And there were certain points in that fight where his back was against the wall. I wanted to see how he would come out and win a round after losing a round or feeling like he lost a round and his team feeling like he lost a round. And I feel like we got that in round four. I wanted to see what round five would look like if it was 2-2 or if people felt like it was 2-2. And Volk just delivered in a big way. And, and to Makachev's credit, he hung in there. And I know some people say, well, if it was a seven-minute round or a six-minute round, Volk might, might have gotten him out of there. Yeah, he might have, but he didn't. So tremendous fight. I was thrilled with it. I was just as thrilled watching it the second time. Both guys are in better spots than they were before, in my opinion. Both guys showed a lot in that fight, a lot of grit, a lot of gusto. And I feel like Volkanovsky is getting his flowers, which he certainly deserves. And I don't feel like Makachev is getting the praise and the flowers that he deserves because he deserves a lot of credit for this fight too. 100%. I feel like he's just lost in the shuffle here. And it's crazy. And then I know Dan Hooker came out and said some things, and Volk kind of talked about it as well. This has been a whole thing about the IV use, potential quote-unquote cheating. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Um, but you could, you could throw out claims all you want. But unless you have actual proof behind them, you can't really take it seriously, and you can't really take it as legit until you actually see proof and things like that that are attached to this. The other thing that I'll, I'll preface real quick before we get to the calls, God, the rankings conversations. Some people just take this shit like way too seriously and it annoys me to no end. Like when AK and I do on to the next one, I make it a point that at the end of every show, we, we, we throw it out there. Don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun. MMA is supposed to be fun. We're allowed to have these conversations. We're allowed to debate a little bit. But don't like make it your whole life. Don't lose your mind because somebody ranked Makachev number one and not Volkanovsky number one pound for pound and vice versa. So the MA Fighting Global Rankings came out and Islam Makachev is our new pound for pound fighter. And I haven't seen all the comments. I've seen little bits and pieces, but some people are just ripping us to shreds. I just don't get it. I don't understand. The UFC still is Volkanovski number one pound for pound. I don't have a problem with that at all. Personally, and I'll break the fourth wall down, I have Islam Makachev as my number one pound for pound guy. And I'll also say, I'm not thrilled about it. I'm not thrilled about it. I had, for about five minutes after UFC 284, I had Volkanovski as, as my number one guy. And then I thought about it. And I thought about what pound for pound means. And I thought about all the different circumstances that go into a pound for pound discussion for everybody and myself. But at the end of the day, there's not a lot of times where two guys 
actually fight each other for this spot. And at the end of the day, as much as I respect Volkanovsky and what he did on Saturday, Makachev beat him. He won the fight. There's no controversy. To me, it's plain as day. Tremendous fight. Volkanovsky probably won the war, but in terms of the actual fight and the scoring in the sport, Islam Makachev won. And to me, I just couldn't look myself in the mirror and not give Islam Makachev that spot because he won the fight. I don't care about the weight classes and stuff. It's one thing to rank Francis Ngannou and Volk and all these guys because like, they're not going to fight each other. But these two guys fought, and Makachev won. And you can say all you want. Well, if he was a featherweight, Volk would have won. Or if they fought again, Volk would have won. Maybe, but that didn't happen on Saturday. So over the last couple of days, I thought about it. It was such a cheap answer. But the way I'm going to view pound for pound, especially with these two guys for the next few weeks, is this. They are 1A and 1B. There is no number two. There's a number three, but there's two number ones. Makachev is slightly ahead at 1A. Volk is ahead at 1B. And John Jones is coming back. And if he just absolutely steamrolls Cyril Gahn on March 4th at UFC 285, none of this matters because he's probably going to be the number one guy anyways. But if Cyril Gahn wins, I don't know if I could say the same thing for him. It'll be close. But if we're just looking at these guys as one and two, I'm going to look at it the same way I looked at it with Usman and Volkanovsky last year and the end of 2021. Volk goes out and gets a win. Before Makachev does, he's number one. Makachev goes out and has a dominant win, beats Benny Dariush or Charles Oliveira or whoever it is. He's probably back to number one. It's going to be sort of a back and forth. So a lot of people are just so angry about this, and I just don't get it. We just saw an incredible fight, one that is going to age so well. Like, it's better the second time around. And I'm sure it will be better the third time around. Both guys' stocks rose. Both guys showed their gusto. No one got blown out of the water. We have a lot to talk about the following days after. This is going to be one of those fights we're going to be talking about all year. We got questions answered. We got to see both guys in tough spots come through. And the fight was awesome. I just don't understand why it's such a negative sort of space right now when as fans – we got to see an incredible chess match and an incredible battle from the two best fighters in the world. Like, this, this is so much better than what we expected. We thought, a lot of us thought that, you know, Volk's going to have his moments, but that Makachev is going to go out there and just crush him because he's been crushing everybody. And Volk showed up and fought his ass off. But he didn't win. And that's okay. That's okay. The fight was awesome. I was hoping, like, there was a part of me after the card, I'm like, man, like, MMA fans are just going to be collectively so happy because of how great that fight was. And it turns out, like, (laughs) a big chunk of them are just angry and miserable because their guy didn't win or Volk's not the one, Volk is or maybe he isn't the number one pound-for-pound guy. Like, it's it's wild. We just got to enjoy it for what it is. And then, like, the Super Bowl was, like, way worse because it was, like, determined by, like, a really shitty call at the end of the game, a ticky-tack penalty that 
probably cost the Eagles the win. I mean, they, they might have lost anyways, but just the fact that that's even in the discussion, that didn't happen in this fight. So as MMA fans, I think we won the weekend over the ones who are just football fans and not MMA fans. So, all right, I'm off my soapbox. Let's go to Average Avenues to kick us off. I'm sure we're going to have a, a lot of different takes on this fight in this card, and I'm excited to hear them all. Double A, what's up? Yes. Good, how are you? I'm well, mate. I'm very, very well. Um, I'm not going to get into the main event just because um, I've spoken about it on, on line enough already, and it's kind of, I'm kind of tired about it. Tired, I'm tired about talking about it, you know, if you know what I mean. Um, my question is, um, what's next for Jack Delamalina? This guy is on fire at the moment. Randy Brown was supposed to be like his like first big test, and he made him look like mincemeat. And just your thoughts on the main event um, in the USC this weekend? That'll do for me, guys. You're awesome. Have a heck of a morning. Take care of yourself and peace. Thanks, buddy. Uh, if you listen to On to the Next One or watched it, um, and if you haven't, you could do so right now. It's Vicente Luque. That is the fight. I, I mean, that's the fight I've been wanting for like a week, and I'm sticking with it. Him and Vicente Luque rules. That's what I want to see. I mean, him against anybody ranked. A lot of people throw out the Neil Magny idea. Don't really love that idea. Like, I, I just think... I just think him going from Randy Brown to Neil Magny, it's almost going like from apples to oranges. Both really healthy fruits, but they're both fruits. Um, and I, I feel like JDM is has kind of surpassed Neil Magny at this point, and he deserves somebody with, with a higher rank number. Uh, and him and Luke a is just a fun-ass fight. Uh, if they book Neil Magny, I'll watch it. But I think he's kind of passed that test and he's ready for somebody ranked a little bit higher and we'll just give him a fun fight. So Luke A for me. Yes, Jessica Andrade is now fighting Aaron Blanchfield next Saturday. I'm not shocked that that happened. I mean, I guess I would say I'm not shocked that Tyler Santos isn't fighting because even when we confirmed that fight and we were talking about it, and when the UFC announced it, we had been hearing rumblings that the visa issues for Santos's team could come into play and that this fight might not actually happen. So my thought was they're just not going to fight and maybe they'll push it back. But when you look at that card, it is just not good. So they had to do something. I didn't expect to see Jessica Andrade getting in there so quickly, but she is. And kudos to her, and I see everybody giving her props, and they should, but they should also give Aaron Blanchfield props for taking this fight on short notice because, holy crap, is that a different fight altogether. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. But I have to favor Jessica Andrade for sure in this one, but who knows? Aaron Blanchfield's a problem, and we'll see how she does. Big step up. I don't think she loses a ton in this fight if she loses, but if she wins, she's probably getting the next title shot. So I think the risk-reward is there, but it's a really tough fight for her, especially this short of notice. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch 
against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Tristan, what's up? Hey, Mike. Um, just quick on Volk. Listen, Volk is a great fighter. He's, he's great. He's wonderful. Um, he's hard to beat and things of that nature. But sometimes when he talks and I just – I'm like, dude, man, like, I want I want all those rounds. I should be lightweight champion. I want now he's talking about I want an immediate rematch. I'm like, listen, I don't mind the rematch, yeah. But listen, go back down to Featherweight. We got a fight that I'm very excited for, you against Yair Rodriguez. Have that in Mexico City. I want to see that fight. But you're talking about oh, I have to talk to my team, I want an immediate rematch, I should be double champ. And I'm just like and and I'm with Jedman. Like, again, we everybody loves Volk. I think Volk is a great fighter. I respect him tremendously. He's hard to beat. This guy's probably going to go down as one of the greatest fighters that ever lived. But with the talking and the mindset, you know, Jed compared it to, you know, what Michael Jordan in The Last Dance. It's just like, come on, like, dude, bro, whatever, man. Like, I roll my eyes with this guy sometimes. I'm just like, dude, like, just do what you – just listen, man, just drop back down, defend about a couple of times, we'll revisit this about a year or two. Maybe both you guys are going to be defending the belts, beat your opponents in respectful divisions, and then we'll do this again and everybody be hyped and great and ready to go. But come on, man. Just like he annoys me sometimes with this stuff, man. I'm like, whatever, dude. All right. Okay. But that's all I got to say about that. Great fighter, but just annoying, man. Just really annoying. Now, um, I want to – the Jack – the JDM fight, JDM is incredible, man. That dude is – just his boxing and striking is wonderful. But the thing about JDM, I just still have questions is um, what happens when he does really face an elite grappler. I mean, I know Randy, Randy Brown's, a, he's pretty, he's a good grappler, but not elite in my eyes. So I, I still, those are still, I had questions about him. I, I don't know if you have those same questions, but that, that's the thing. I mean, listen, if he fights Vicente Luque, I'm giving him a chance to win that fight. I think, I think he wins against Vicente because he's just more, technical boxer and I, I think he'll outstrike him but I, I would want to see him against more elite grapplers and Wellsway has a ton of them so that's just only my question about that that's my only question about JDM I don't know what your thoughts about that anyway thanks Mike I mean I have those questions and the beauty of this welterweight division and where it stands right now is that we're going to get those answers Eventually, he's going to have to fight some of these guys on the way up. Um, you know, if he fights Neil Magny, we'll get a, a different look, although I would favor JDM to win that fight. But eventually, you know, if he fights Luke A and wins, 
he's going to have to fight one of these guys. He's going to have to fight a Sean Brady or a Michael Chiesa or somebody like that that's going to test that grappling. So I, I get where you're coming from. We'll eventually get those answers, but I think he's going to get – I think they built him up right to this point, um, and we'll see what they end up doing with him. But I, I think you'll get the answers. Yeah, and, and I've heard Jed talk about Volk all the time, saying kind of going through that. And what I think what Tristan is trying to say in particular, because Jed brings this up all the time, is you know Volk saying that no one gave me a chance – and everybody picked against me, and I'm the I'm the consummate underdog. Uh, and maybe there's some truth to that heading into this fight, but he was saying all that stuff heading into and following UFC 276, the Max Holloway fight, and after the win, that, that's what he kept talking about. No one gave me a chance. Everybody was picking against me, yada, yada, yada. And, and I get it from that perspective because I'm – I. I I didn't see a lot of people picking against. Some did. Some some picked Max Holloway to beat him, but most people didn't. So, but again, I don't blame him for that. Sometimes, like I remember Calvin Cater telling me years ago that fighters, him, like him especially, they look for chips on their shoulders that they can use, bullets and board material. And if one person says that and he hears it but he needs that to get him over that hump mentally, then cool. That's what you do. Cater uh, had a lot of chips on his shoulder heading into the Giga Chikadze fight. He heard what everybody had to say. He heard everybody picking Giga Chikadze, including me. I picked Giga Chikadze too. And when I talked to Cater after that win, he let me know about it. And I was, and I was, and I took it on the chin. It happens, but sometimes that's what fighters need. And if that's what Volk needs to continue to be great, then cool. But it's not for everybody, and I get that. I get that. And as far as the rematch goes, look, there's there's a desire for it. There's a desire for it. I wasn't feeling it after the fight, but the more as time goes on, I don't think it's a crazy question. I honestly don't think it's a crazy question, especially with how the UFC is and how they matchmake and how they put these events on. I don't want to see it right now. I would love to see them fight again, but when I left Saturday night into Sunday, post-fight show and all, I was like, there's no chance they're just going to run this one right back. And on this Tuesday, a couple days later, I'm thinking to myself, would it really be that shocking if they rebooked this one? I don't think so. But I would rather see Makachev fight Darius now, no more Oliveira fight, or fight the winner of that one. And then Volk fight Yair. But at the same token, maybe they could, like if they want to do the rematch, you could do we don't have a main event for May 6th yet. We don't have one. Seems like Sterling Cejudo is going to be on that card, but that's not done yet. It all depends on how Sterling recovers from the stem cells he just got in Colombia, if he's going to be ready to go. If they did 
that fight, and then they did Oliveira Dariush for, for an interim lightweight title because they're going to go forward and do Volkanovski Makachev two like International Fight Week. Would anybody be sad about that? And then they do maybe the winner of Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway, especially if Allen wins versus Yair. Just have him defend the interim title. Is anyone going to be upset about that? I don't think so. So I think I think it's in play. I really do. I don't necessarily love it, but I definitely think it's in play. Much more than I thought on Saturday night. But this is uh, an interesting aftermath. Mikey, hello. Everyone keeps bringing up pride rules, and I'm like, how many people actually watch pride? Because even under pride rules, there's still an argument. Islam won. Second thing, if you're an if you're a Volk fan, like a legitimate Volk fan, and you only root for Volk, you're not betraying him by admitting he may have lost. Like it's okay, <laughs> you know. Um, okay, it's just it goes back to these whole things about like fans almost take the onus more than the fighters, you know, where it's like, oh no, they my fighter has to have won. You know, they can't, you can't fathom a world where they lose. It's like they take it on the chin more than the fighters. And it's like it, the, the goat debates and pound for pound debates at the end of the day, it's like, it's this culture in sports where it's like, if you're not first, you're last. It's like, regardless of who's number one or number two, that's not like a wrong answer. <laughs> you know, there's no wrong answer to me. It's like, if Volk is one, Volk is number one. If Islam is one, that's fine too. There's no like, it's not like number two means they suck. You know, um, and as for, you know, the fight itself, I, I just, you know, Volk has this thing where he it kind of admitted that he kind of not started slow, but he but he he saw some opportunities that he could have had that he didn't take. And it's like, that's on you, man. Like, and as for Tristan talked about earlier, I don't mind athletes having bulletin board material, but they need to word it carefully to the public and not make it sound like they're whining. You know, uh, one of Volk's biggest problems as a person, he seems like a cool guy, but publicly he needs to start as, as Jed touched on. It's like he does this thing where it's like, I don't mind him having an internal motivation, but you're good. But to try and sell it to the public as like, oh, hey, you guys don't you guys don't pick against me. I'm like, dude, you fought Max Holloway, who's been fighting in the UFC for 10 years, who built up a fan base. That's why they're picking against you. It, I guarantee you most Max Holloway fans probably thought he was going to win, but they're not going to admit that because they're rooting for Max. And that's okay. But Volk to internalize and act like, well, that means you guys aren't giving me credit. I'm like, no, they just like him, man. It's okay. You don't, the, one of the things that gets frustrating for these guys is like, they, we understand. I mean, like Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, all these guys create these like persecution complexes where it's like, nobody wants to give me credit. I'm like, dude, you've won everything. What do you mean no one's giving you credit? You know? And uh, as for Jack Delamagdalena, uh, I don't mind the Luke matchup, but I still think he should be slow burn just a little bit. I want these prospects. I want prospects in every division to be to have room to breathe. You know, they have one good performance against a fringe ranked competitor, and now they're like, "All right, give me the top 10. I'm like, "No, no, no let them slow burn, man. I don't want to. I don't want to burn these guys out too soon." You know, that'll be all for me today. Be kind, y'all. Have a good one. Yeah, I get it, um, but. I don't think fighting Luke is a, is a fast burn. I don't. I would pick JDM to win that fight. I think most people would. Luke is good. He's fought good guys, and he's tough as hell. 
But stylistically, that's a very that's a winnable fight for JDM. It's a winnable fight. And there's, I mean, once you get to this level, like he basically beat the 16th ranked guy. So I, I just don't know how you could really slow him down that much more. We're not saying chuck him in there with. We had some interesting ones. People were saying chuck him in there with Wonder Boy. Um, I don't think we should do that. But I think Luke A and, and what he brings to the table, I think it's a really good fight. I think it's a, a good stylistic matchup for him, and he'll be tested in a different way. So I love the fight. I definitely love that fight. Um, yeah. And, and as far as the Volk stuff, I get it. I hear what you're saying. And that's, that's that. <laughs> Let's go to Rafid. Rafael, what's up? Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Good. So I want to talk about something, if that's correct, before asking two questions. Yeah, okay. so what I wanted to say, uh, Tristan was saying that Volk, like, he, he's talking a lot. He's saying that nobody thought that he's going to win, which I don't see nothing wrong with it. And, he, and Tristan also said that uh, Volk said he won all the rounds. Wait, wait, is there actually uh, something wrong in that? He, like, you could debate that he won three rounds, and the fighter, of course, he's going to believe that he won three rounds. Volk said three to two, which is acceptable. I could have seen the fight go either way. There is nothing wrong with saying he won three to two. But, and yeah, and I want to ask another question. What do you think about the whole IV accusations? Because, like, if they didn't have any, any proof... I think they would have told Dan Hooker to delete all the tweets. And it's been a full day and he still didn't delete the tweets. So I think they, got, they might have something. And that's it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you still need, you still need proof. Sure, it's a talking point. The fans are going to react to it. Um, but it's kind of a dangerous game you're playing because if he's wrong, he looks like an idiot. Like, he looks foolish. He looks like... He looks like a whiner. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I just... That's... It's just a dangerous game he's playing. Now, maybe there is proof. I don't know. But... Or maybe the UFC was aware of it. And we're like, okay. I know people were putting out... Putting some different rule sets out. And some people asked the UFC about it. Um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of uh, a weird thing to wake up to yesterday morning, but it is what it is. Uh, maybe there's some smoke to that fire, but until I see, until I see those flames and I see the smoke, it just is a tweet to me. It's just a tweet. And I'm with you on the, on the bull thing. Like, what's he supposed to say? Eh, I lost the fight. So I get that. I think it's more the ho- it was after the Holloway fight that that rubbed people the wrong way. Where oh, no one was picking me to win. Yeah, like everybody was picking you to win. You were like a minus three hundred favorite in that fight. Uh, some people weren't, but for the most part, they did. They were all picking you to win. And I think more people had issue with that than than this fight in particular. But look, the thing is. And I talked about this, and I know Jed wrote it up. Uh, and coincidentally, we we put these takes out at, almost at the same time. Volk had to Volk had to be perfect to win this fight. He had to be perfect. Makachev did not. 
And that's what made this so fascinating because Volk's two previous fights, he was as close to perfect as one could possibly be. The TKZ fight was perfect. The Holloway fight, I don't know what's higher than perfect, but whatever that word or terminology is, Volkanovsky jumped up and punched a hole through it because he was even more perfect in the Holloway fight. And his fight IQ is through the roof, and we saw it. But I thought he was almost perfect. I thought the first round he was, he was really good. Second round he was really good. But he, he made one mistake down the stretch and got clipped. And if that moment doesn't happen, Volk wins the fight. Volk wins that second round. It was that one moment, that big shot that Makachev landed that stung Volk and dropped him to a knee. That was the turning point of the whole fight. That one moment is why Makachev won and Volk didn't. Like, if you go back and watch it again, that moment is so big in the overall landscape of the fight that it gave Makachev that round. To me and most other people. Because before that, Volk was looking good. And I know there's a close, like, knockdown-looking moments for Volk, but it's clear it wasn't a knockdown. He tripped. But it was not a trip when Makachev clipped him and he dropped him to a knee. That was the one moment that he wasn't perfect in this fight. And even round four, like, he had his back taken, and I don't even say that like it wasn't a perfect moment for Volk. It was just Makachev, the timing of that takedown and that level change in round four was, I mean, it was such a thing of beauty. Such a thing of beauty. And that's why he won the fourth. But, man, it's just such a great fight. And I, and I recommend everybody to just go back and watch it. Like, watch it multiple times. And just forget about the bullshit. And just watch the fight for what it is. I'm telling you, this one's going to age incredibly well. Just forget about all of it. Forget about the stakes. Forget about the judges. Forget about pound-for-pound pound rankings. Who gives a shit? Go watch the fight in its own vacuum. Just sit there and watch it. And it's better the second time around. Uh, Ezra DC, hello. Yeah, I'm just wondering, what would be the incentive for Makachev to take the rematch now? Because I've, I've seen on some places saying, okay, you know, all this talk is kind of rebuilding, starting the campaign for the rematch. But I could argue that if you gave their pound-for-pound pound status, you know, as was agreed upon during the entire promotion to, to Makachev, you could build that redemption arc back for Volkanovski to get, you know, get his, 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 his justice back. Now, when you pretty much don't deliver on what was promised, why would Makachev even, like, entertain the idea anymore to cut weight again, do all that, when he could just essentially challenge for his 170 uh, title and do double champ-champ status there? Because it makes no sense for him to go to 170 right now. It makes no sense. No sense. And that's like why people had issues with this fight being booked in general. It's because champ champ fights, while they can be special, it could just F everything up. And if Makachev just says, like, I'm moving up to 170, like, I'm just going to throw up in my mouth. 
Like, why? Why would he do that? There's so much work that needs to be done at 155. And you just you could argue that there's so much work Volk still needed to do before going up and challenging for the 55 title. I didn't have an issue with it because I just feel like Holloway has just knocked off all these guys that he just no one's really emerged at 45 for a while. Now we have a guy. They laid it out, interim title fight. We have a guy. We have a legit number one contender. Title versus title, unification bout. Like, we have that now. We have it. Makachev, I mean, why would he? There's just no reason for him to go to 170. They don't need him at 170 right now. They don't need him. And I don't blame Volk for going up because guess what? He was called out by Habib and Makachev after 280. They called him out. It wasn't like... Volk was banging on the drum, give me this fight or I'm not fighting anybody else. No, they called him out. And he was like, all right, let's go. And he did it. I do think a rematch is in play here, though. I really, I think, I think it's, I think it's in play. I wouldn't do it. Because you don't need to do it. I would like to see them fight again, but like two years from now, let them run through and win three, four title defenses, clean out their divisions, and then fight again. But I can see the incentive somewhat for Makachev from a competitive standpoint and the money standpoint, because that's going to be a huge fight if they rebook it. It's going to be massive. It's going to do really, really well. And if they do it, it'll be like on an international fight week card, maybe in the main event. Big gate, lots of money. And I know Makachev doesn't care all that much about money, but I'm sure he cares somewhat about money. And I'm sure there's a part of Makachev that, even though he's coming out and saying the right things, I'm the best fighter in the world, I don't even know if he believes that 100% right now because of all the doubts that everyone has placed upon him, whether it be fair or unfair. He didn't definitively beat Volk. He beat him. But there's doubts. And I think there's a part of Makachev that's like, damn it, I wanted to fight him again just to shut everybody up. So I think there is incentive there for him. And if we're looking at it from a financial perspective, what's going to do better on pay-per-view? A rematch with Volkanovski or a fight with him and Darius? It's Volkanovski by 10 times. It's not even close. It's not even close. I am fascinated by the Dariush fight because I think stylistically after watching how Volk fought Makachev, Dariush presents a very interesting challenge. But if we're talking business, outside of maybe Connor, I think Vol- a rematch with Volk is the biggest fight he can get right now. So I think, I think there's something there. I, it's much more than I thought on Saturday. I wouldn't do it, but wouldn't send me if the UFC did. Uh, Yusuf, hello. Hi there. Hi there, Mike. Thank you uh, for this excellent program, and thanks for the opportunity to say a few words here. Uh, first first things first, I uh, strongly strongly condemn the UFC uh, for, for, for billing this fight as, uh, as, as a competition for the pound-for-pound pound number one when I'm learning today that in reality – it's it's entirely possible that the UFC has no no say in who becomes the pound for pound number one, 
and that the actual voting gets uh, gets done by by media members. I don't think that was 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 very clear from the onset. So I think there was definitely uh, a lot of misleading uh, going on on that front. Number one, uh, number two, uh, the criteria for for this fight has definitely changed because. Prior, it was being billed as you know the pound for pound number one versus the pound for pound number two, two evenly matched, uh, competitive, excellent fighters going at it. Uh, regardless of the weight, the you know the the weight difference between the two the two fighters, uh, it was still billed as the pound for pound number one versus the pound for pound number two with equal circumstances, and it was because both of the fighters weighed in at 155 pounds 24 hours prior to the fight, so. In my opinion, they were completely on equal footing, um, and and you know if they weren't, and it was quite clear that uh, Makachev had the advantage when it comes to weight, then why did the UFC build a fight as two two equally matched competitor fighters going at it? Why wasn't the uh, you know the discrepancy or the advantage to Makachev highlighted prior to prior to the fight itself? I think that was uh, definitely some misleading going on uh, by the UFC. They, you know, pound for pound number one was was on the line, uh, along with Makachev's uh, 155 pound belt. So now let's look at it in hindsight. What did Makachev actually gain from this fight, other than defending his title? Uh, he was misled into believing the pound for pound number one was on the line, when actually that wasn't. You look at Volk now. Volk has moved up, lost the fight, but still has his 145 pound belt and still maintains his. Uh, pound for pound number one ranking after losing the fight to the number two, which is you know completely ludicrous in my in my opinion. I think if I'm Makashev at this point, uh, there's no way I'm going to sign sign dotted line for a rematch with with Volkanovski, given you know everything that's transpired, given the fact that he was misled by the UFC, and I'm not even you know talking about Dan Hooker and some of the uh, the awful allegations being made uh, about Volkan- about Islam after the fight. Um, you know that hasn't been proven, as you know. Uh, you know the pictures that are floating around with the small poke on Islam's arms, that was taken prior to the weigh-in, and I can't imagine a scenario where somebody would want to use an IV prior to being, you know, prior to a weigh-in. So, you know, th- and the UFC hasn't come out and condemned Dan Hooker for that. They haven't, uh, you know, haven't given any indication as to whether these accusations are true. And so, you know, there's there's definitely some smearing going on when it comes to on on Islam's side. So, I think you know if I'm the, if I'm Islam and I'm I'm, I'm working you know and collaborating with uh, with Habib, I'm thinking you know there needs to be some some retribution to the UFC, whether it's uh, uh, you know refusing to I don't, I don't want to say refusing to fight again, but you know perhaps you know they can work together with uh, with Abu Dhabi and say you know what until this situation is rectified. The you know Islam won't, won't fight again. Now, I, I would completely support that, given uh, you know what's going, what what happened here, and how the UFC has has totally misled Makashev and totally smeared you know smeared his name. So I'll I'll stop there. But uh, thanks for the uh, for the opportunity. Thanks, Ben. So I re- I respect your opinion, and if you've seen the movie. Like I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I've seen some different movies. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny is a classic. It's a great movie. Uh, Joe Pesci plays this New York lawyer who has no idea what the hell he's doing, represents a cousin who is 
basically on a murder charge that he didn't commit uh, and all this, but it doesn't matter. There's a moment when the opposing lawyer calls up an expert about automobiles and he comes up and, and Vinny objects and he lays out this beautiful objection. And then the judge says, that was a well thought out, beautiful objection, but it's overruled. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about uh, what you just said, which I, I appreciate everything. But you have to understand something. And this is very clear to most people who have been following the sport for a while. The UFC rankings don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. They are a joke. They are a joke. It's fake. It's bullshit. Nobody cares about the UFC rankings. Nor should they. It means nothing. It means nothing. These are their own rankings. There's Look at the list of media members that are a part of this. Some of them are legit. Some of them like don't even cover the sport anymore. And they're part of it. None of that matters. What does matter is that the UFC is presenting this man as a number one pound-for-pound guy. Go look at social media. Go look at all their social media. Anything involving Islam Makachev since Saturday starts off by saying the number one pound-for-pound guy. The UFC rankings don't mean anything. They don't mean shit. They don't get any extra money for being number one, number two, number three. It's just to make the graphic look a little shinier. That's it. That's it. Who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? Those rankings mean nothing. I don't think Makachev gives two shits that the UFC has Volkanovski as number one. Because he understands. None of it matters. None of it matters. It's a joke. The UFC rankings have been a joke for a long time. I told you, like, months ago, like, even before the Adesanya Pereira fight, go back to, like, September, October, when we first started talking about this fight as something. And I said, if they book this fight, I will guarantee you that no matter what happens, by the time they get to fight night, it's going to be number one versus number two. Even if Adesanya beat Pereira, I would have guaranteed you that the ranking cycle prior to that fight would have had Makachev at number two, no matter who was there before him. It's for marketing. That's it. The rankings, the UFC rankings mean nothing. They mean nothing. And in a lot of ways, titles don't mean a lot either in the UFC. AK preaches about it all the time. Titles are props. Titles are props. And I think the UFC has proved over the years that there are props often, oftentimes, just like the rankings. It's just a number. They don't mean anything. So don't get bought. Like, I implore anybody, don't get bogged down by UFC rankings because they don't mean anything. And over the years, we have seen people who are part of the rankings come out and show proof that sometimes the UFC will be like, hey, when you vote, you should vote this way. We highly recommend you and encourage you to vote this way. The proof is out there. So I wouldn't get too bogged down by that. It's not going to affect how Islam Makachev looks at fights at all. It's not going to. Nor should it.
But if we're looking at it from a business perspective, what is in front of Islam Makachev right now? If he's looking at it from all angles, competitively, financially, business-wise, all of it, Volkanovski is his biggest fight right now. It is the biggest fight he can get. Because even if he – look, Connor's the biggest star of the sport. He's about to fight Michael Chandler. It's probably not going to be until like October or November. But even if Connor wins and Makachev's the champion, like I think there's a part of Makachev like understands that there's financial – there's some good finances heading his way if he fights Connor. But I don't think he wants to put himself through a, a, a build to fighting Connor McGregor. He's already been there. He's seen it with Habib. That was ugly. That was a dark moment in the history of the sport. Dark moment for his team. Dark moment for Habib. Dark moments for Connor. And do you th- like is anyone gonna care? Like maybe Connor could do it, but like Con- Islam's gonna be a minus eight hundred favorite against Connor McGregor. I think Makachev just wants to compete and be the man. And if he can get a couple extra bucks, cool. But right this second, the biggest fight he can realistically get right now that checks off all those boxes is the Volkanovski rematch. It's the fight most fans want to see right now. Like I said, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it right now. I would let it permeate a little bit. Let Volk fight Yair. Let him fight Arnold Allen. Maybe fight a Tapoya or, or a Marvzar of Loyev, depending on where they're at. Makachev fights Dariush. Maybe a Poirier. One more guy. Maybe he rematches Sarukian. One of these up-and-comers, Fazeev. I mean, he's, they both have things they can do in their own divisions. And then, like, two years from now, when, when Volk is in, in Islam are like, hey, we're on the last leg here. We're going on the last laps. Let's do it one more time. Because I think at some point, Makachev's going to be like, oh, I just ran through everybody, but there's one guy I didn't, and it's Volk. I want to fight him again. But we'll see. Yeah, I do, I, I, the UFC rankings, don't worry about that stuff because it doesn't mean anything. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. BJ, hello. Okay. 
Nothing from PJ. Uh, let's go to uh, Four Corner Sports has been waiting for a minute, so let's go to him. What's up? Four Corner Sports, you're muted. Can't hear you. All right, can you hear me now? Yep, All right. got you. All right, so I'm not going to really talk about the allegations as for um, Dan Hooker and stuff like that, although I just think that it was just very interesting that he pointed that out. I, I remember I, I mentioned on the previous – show that um, Islam was going to have to cut a lot of weight in, um, what is it, 48 hours. So, I mean, if it's true, then the UFC should just, you know, strip him of the title. But I think it, there needs to be more evidence that comes out before any real actions comes. As for the main event, um, I had it originally in real time. I had it as Volkanovski, um, 48-47, um, him winning rounds um two, three, and five. But then after rewatching it two or three times, I understood what um, people were saying. It was 48, 47 Islam. I mean, it's really depends on how you try to view it, but it's either here or either there. Um, I do think that, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of bothered by it. Now, I love the fact that Charles Oliveira was there. Why? Because it shows that he wants to be back into the title mix. You know who wasn't there? One, Benio Darius. Now, Mike, when was the last time you, you heard um, Benio Dariush all, all fired up about something, right? When was the last time you think it was? It was when he ended up calling out Elon Musk, right, for the stupid Tesla that he wanted, right? That was the only time that we've ever heard Benio Dariush all fired up, right? And then he ended up getting the, the, the Tesla. I think that if Benio Dariush would have put it out there the same way that Stipe um, did after the John Jones uh, Sirogan fight ended up breaking out, Right on the, the news that are getting announced. If Benio Darius would have just said, "Hey, I got next," I think that one maybe the USC would have you know saw, "Hey, maybe he's being serious instead of him wanting ten fights." And I think it's really stupid that he that he said that after his fight over Mizush Gamera. I don't know when's the next time we're going to see Benio Darius you know get close enough to a title shot, just because I think that him and versus Charles. I mean, it, we I favor. Benio Dariush, but for all we know, Benio Dariush, you know, might have to fight three or four times just after his stupid remark uh, after defeating uh, Matush Gamrat. And as for um, one more question that I had, what's going on with Chaos Williams? I haven't heard anything about him. Is he fighting anytime soon? I was just wondering about that. That was actually a fight that I, I actually at one point wanted to see him fight uh, Jack Della Maddalena just because of the chaos. But I was satisfied with him fighting uh, Randy Brown. All right. Thanks, Mike. Uh, yep. There we go. Uh, thank you very much, as always. Um, I think Chaos is booked. I'm pretty sure he is booked. But let me just, let me just check it real quick. He is booked. He's fighting May 6th, uh, which will be UFC 288 against Rolando Bedoya. Uh, A newcomer. So, yes, Chaos is on the books. So, there you go. Chaos hasn't fought in a minute. When was the last time he fought? So it, by the time they fight, it'll be just about a year. 
Uh, it'll be like 363 days uh, since his last fight. So, yeah, May, Randy Brown is May 7th, 2022. This fight will be May 6th, 2023. So, chaos is on the books. So, rejoice, chaos fans. You're good. PJ, do we have What's you? What's up? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. What's going on? Uh, my bad for the connection earlier. Um, so okay. I have a question. I just wanted to see what everybody's uh, kind of like take it take on it is. Is that like um, in the fight? So I'm a little new to the sport, right? I've only been watching it for about a year or so now. Um, and I had Volk 3-2. I had uh, three rounds, two rounds. I had Volk winning that fight. Um, because, you know, I guess it's different with the judges, but – a lot of times, uh, from my perspective, when Islam had him on the ground, he didn't really do a whole lot to it. And that's been like the common narrative was like, well, control doesn't mean anything if you don't do any damage to it. Right. And then Islam ended up winning. And I also feel like uh, Volk kind of outstruck him on the ground a little bit. And um, even whenever Islam had control, of course. But that's just it's just. I feel like there needs to be a finer line to it. It's like, does control matter or does it not matter? Because, you know, Patty would have lost the fight if if it was in the same, like, perspective. You know what I'm saying? Or, like, I'm just naming different fights of how, you know, they view control as as a huge deal or they view control as it means nothing if you don't do damage with it. And the fight stats, I don't know if it's uh, accurate or not, but on ESPN, the fight stats showed that Islam didn't have a submission attempt either. So it, it was just confusing, but I want to know what y'all's take on it is. So, yeah, I've seen a lot with this, with this fourth round, and I scored a 10-9 for Makachev. I, I gave Makachev that round. I understand... And that's that is the tough thing because it's always about damage, and we are it's been sort of engulfed in our brains that damage is the lone priority here. Like, if it's 50 50 and someone landed one big punch, that's the difference maker, and and oftentimes that's probably true. I guess I would say, like, the only the only fight that you could really kind of compare this to, and I have to go back and like watch this fight to find out specifically which round that this happened, but um, the Valentina Shevchenko Tyler Santos fight, where Valentina looked good on the feet, was landing some strikes, uh, was kind of piecing Santos up a little bit, and then Santos took her down, took her back, and just held her there. Uh, and a lot of people gave Valentina that round. And the biggest reason was because she had about a minute or 90 seconds of, you know, she looked good on the feet. Uh, didn't really happen in this round. This is different. Uh, Volk certainly landed strikes while he had his back taken, but none of, none of it was, like, damaging. Like, Makachev wasn't hurt or rattled by any of them. Uh, so, to me, just having somebody's back, having him in a body triangle uh, – and there were there were times where he was looking for the submission. I mean, didn't have it under the neck, but he was across the across his face. That couldn't have been fun. Uh, and there were a couple of instances of that. So I just don't think Volkanovski had enough moments to negate that to me. Uh, now Volk's out there and just leg kicked him and landed like twenty strikes before that takedown. That's a different story, but that didn't really happen here. 
in that round. Uh, so to me, Makachev won that round. The, I don't think damage played a factor at all. Even though Volk landed a couple, even though Volk landed while he had his back taken, but to me, it doesn't negate the next thing, which is control. And there's different types of control, right? Makachev could just hold him up against the fence and just stand there, and Volk could land a, some shots, but he's just pushing him against the fence. It's not the same thing here. Or Makachev could be like in Volk's guard, and Volk's like landing elbows off of his back over and over again. But Makachev's not doing anything. Like the, a great example is the, I want to was it Islam Mamadev against Benson Henderson, or even that him against uh, Brent Primus, where took him down, was in the guard on top, but the guy that was on bottom, Benson or Brent Primus in that case, landing elbows over and over again, and he's just in the guard laying there. Like that's different. More by far the more dominant position is being is having the back, having a body triangle, at least trying to look for ways to finish the fight, it's different. It's just different in that case. So I don't think four is really up for debate. I think two is up for debate. Uh, but even just re-watching the second round, I felt like that one moment from Makachev where he dinged Volk and he dropped to a knee, I think that won him the round. And one's very close. And even, like, I think, honestly, and this might be a hot take, and I'll, I'll just come on and say it. You can make, I think there's a better case, Makachev wins the third round over Volkanovski winning the fourth round. Not much, but I think there's more of a case. Go, if you go back and watch it again, you'll, you'll kind of see where I'm coming from, but. But I get it, man. It's it's just such a close fight. It's a game of inches, and that's what makes it so fascinating. That's what made that matchup just so good and so interesting, especially with the rewatch. I'm trying to get Poppy in, but doesn't look like it's happening. Well, maybe. Do we have you, Poppy? No, we do not. Uh, let's go to Anthony. Then we'll go to Omar, Urshat. We'll get to everybody that's waiting. Yo, What's up, Anthony? Good morning. I called in earlier last week, and I said I felt like the line was should have been switched for Charles and Volk against Islam. Lo and behold, I was right. And then I called in on Friday saying, what would they say if it was a splitty or close? And now we're seeing what they're saying, and uh, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty funny, to be honest. But uh, I just did a little research on this IV hydration and uh, – it said it would only be in your system for like a couple hours. And then I was like, what would be in your system? So I looked up the, what would, what would it leave in your system? And it's just like carbs, proteins. And like, so I don't even know how they would test for that. So based on that, do you think like, I don't know if I read that and I was a UFC fighter, I mean, I would start asking around and, you know, especially if you know, like you're not going to get tested right before the fight. I know some of them do, but you know, right after you get tested, you know, shit, they could probably pop, pop one of those in. I don't know. seems pretty easy. Uh, that's all. Have a heck of a morning. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed I think you kind of nailed it there. Um, I mean, look, but if we're being honest with ourselves, I would say, and I don't know this for a fact, but if some, like if it was proven that like half the roster was doing IVs, it wouldn't surprise me. Like it really wouldn't. You got to do what you got to do. But again, 
I don't know. I don't, this is a weird. This is a very weird thing. You're just throwing it out without any proof, um, and I don't know. And we don't know the whole story. So I saw like some outlets were just posting this as if it was news, and like you can't do that without getting the other side of the equation, uh, which is why we didn't write anything about it until <clears throat> we heard from like. Other people, we saw one of Islam's managers react to it on Twitter. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if some proof proof actually pops up when it comes to this. And if so, did Islam get a pass? Was the UFC aware of it? If they weren't, how are they going to handle it? A lot to unpack with that. But right now, it's just an allegation, and that's all we can go by. Uh, Omar, hello. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, so I have a couple of things to get off my chest, uh, mainly about, like, the main event. Um, going into the main event, I thought it would be pretty close. Like, a lot of people, I didn't really understand how they were discounting Volkanovski, especially because, like, Max always is one of my favorite fighters and seeing how he, like, basically destroyed him. And, like, it really broke my heart, but, you know, it really gave me a lot of respect for Volk. And I thought he deserved pound for pound number one over Komaru even before he lost. To Leon, and um, so I thought it'd be a close fight, but I really don't like how Volkanovski's handling the loss. Like, even in um, Abu Dhabi, he said, like, my number one pound for pounds on the line. And now, like, he's sort of defending, like, oh, I, I was coming from a lower weight class. I did pretty good. I don't really like that. I don't like the IV accusations without, like, any, like, proof. And uh, Josh Thompson and um, John McCarthy were talking about this, uh, that, like, Islam looked a lot smaller, a lot more flat, not as explosive as he did for the Charles fight. I don't know if it was a bad weight cut, but I used to wrestle. And like sometimes like when you cut weight, you don't take into account how much muscle you're losing when you cut really fast. So I think he might have done that. Um, and he was sort of like hinting at it after the fight where he was like, some things went wrong and this and that. But um, yeah, I just want to know what your thoughts are on those things. And uh and, like, what your thoughts are on, like, how Volkanovski's handling it. Because I feel like he's, like, a pretty humble champion. But, like, there's just some things, like, and, like, how, like, Ariel's, like, promoting more Volk than, like, Islam even winning. I feel like a lot of people, like, I feel like Volk definitely deserves credit. But, like, how good Islam looked on the feet with, like, in my opinion, one of the best strikers in, like, in the entire entire division isn't getting talked about enough. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. And uh, good morning, guys. Yeah, I mean, look, and I've been preaching this since Saturday, since after the fight ended. Volk deserves all the attention and the credit he's getting, 100%. Uh, But to leave Makachev out of this is just short-sighted and wrong. It just is. And I know the big story is going up and waiting and all that. Get it. But Volk didn't seem like out of place there. Like, he just, he didn't seem out of place. You know what I mean? Like, this wasn't, this wasn't Adesanya Yambohovich. Like, Yambohovich looked 25 pounds heavier than Israel Adesanya when they fought for the, for the light heavyweight title. Um, the height, obviously, don't, you don't take into account, but the thickness, the weight, you could see that Blahovich was just way bigger, way bigger. I didn't see that here. Um, and I really didn't see it throughout the build, honestly. 
I didn't take I didn't take that into as much account as a lot of other people did because Volk's a pretty big dude and he's strong as hell and he even said like he on fight night he was like over he was like one seventy or above so him saying that tells me that the weight class thing especially with the preparation from Volkanovski didn't play wasn't a humongous factor in the fight. It, it, it just wasn't. Now, normally when we talk about the Josh Thompson and stuff, like, um, I mean, look, Josh's Josh's teammates with his Almakachev. So you can look at it in one of two ways. One, I know some people thought he was making an excuse for Islam because they're close and because they have a relationship, because they're teammates. Uh, and two, maybe he just has a lot of insight because he's been working with Makachev for a long-ass time. I tend to lean more towards the latter here. But again, you're also dealing with not just, in a lot of people's eyes, the best fighter on the planet. You're dealing with one of the smartest fighters on the planet, guy with tremendous fight IQ, and Volk showed his master chess strategy throughout that entire fight. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think there's excuses that can be made either way. I think both guys, I think both guys fought their asses off and Makachev won. And Volk had a great showing for himself. Like this, this to me, the way this all played out was the best. I think it's the best possible outcome. It's the best possible outcome because both of their next fights, whether they're against each other or against other people are way more interesting now than they were heading in. Like I was fascinated by Makachev versus Dariush. Like I was into it more so because I just feel like what else does Benny Dariush have to do to get a title shot? But after watching how Volk fought him, that is a really interesting fight now. Like I think Dariush is much more alive than I thought heading in. And on the flip side, after watching what Yair Rodriguez did to Josh Emmett, I wasn't all that into I, like Volk to me. I thought Volk would just destroy either of those two guys. And after seeing Yair level up the way that he did, I still think Volkanovski is going to beat him. I don't think the fight is tremendously competitive but it's more competitive than i thought it was going to be heading into 284 so in the fight just ruled it, it I, I i don't know why i expected us to just all be in great places with this fight where it's oh man the two best fighters in the world just did the damn thing and it was everything we could have hoped it would be and we're just not really getting that here, and I'm kind of surprised by it. I mean, I probably shouldn't be, but I figured if we were going to break that wall down, this would be the fight to get us there, but apparently not. Barbarossa, hello. Um, hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Uh, good, good. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, the interview of uh, Volkanovsky yesterday with uh, Halwani. Um I thought he he was a bit of a sore loser because he was throwing the accusation of the um, of the IV and 
if if we have seen uh, Makashev uh, before, we can see that this weight cut was bad and it affected him in the later rounds. Um, so this is why I don't know. Uh, and if they were true, I hope he gets ripped. But if they are not, uh, what should be the precautions for uh, uh, for them for the for their team? Because you can't accuse uh, anybody with uh, heavy shots and then nothing comes back if you are wrong. And uh, on the other side, I don't get it. Uh, yesterday, Volkanovski was saying if we were the same weight or the same, uh, I don't know, the same size, I would squash him, I would have crushed him. I don't know. What what does this even mean? Uh, it's We have seen Adesanya going up in the weight class and it was 20 pounds uh, weight difference. And the people weren't praising him that much, for, uh, but Volkanovski went only 10 pounds and he had a better reach for the hand. What does this even mean if we were the same size? If they were the same size, uh, we, should we take their souls out and everybody in our bodies that say uh, exactly equal? Because it helped him the size that he's short, uh, compact, and has a uh, longer arm. I I just I found it really silly from him yesterday. Thank you, thank you, Mike. Yeah, I've heard I've, I've heard a lot of that. I, I don't I don't love that argument. I, I really don't. I really don't because I mean if you if you look at it and Volk even said himself one seventy plus. Um, I don't think Makachev was that far away, so. I just don't think the size thing plays in like outside of height. I don't think the size is that big of a difference. I, I really don't. I think this is about as far as one fighter moving up to fight the other guy. It's about as close as you're going to get, honestly. So I don't, I don't take much into account here. I, I don't think that fight goes a hell of a lot differently. Like Volk bulked up, put on size. To like match up what what Islam had to do. Like the only real difference is that Islam, you know, had a cut probably his weight cut was probably tougher than Volkanovsky's. But it's not like Makachev was 195 on Saturday and Volk was one like 155 or 156. Like he just walked on the scale and then walked into the octagon. Like it's not I don't think there was that much of a difference, honestly. I, I just don't. But yeah, I, I've, I've. A lot of people haven't loved how Volk has reacted to all of this, but again, that's what you need to to get you past it. Do your thing, bro. Leo, what's up? Hey, Mike. Uh, heck, good morning. Um. Uh, yeah, I. Uh... I agree with a lot of people are saying with the sentiment of how Alex is responding. Um, specifically on Ariel's show, he said that he doesn't. Ariel was like, "Are you going to move up and wait and permanently stay at 155?" And he was like, "I I still think I need two divisions to keep me busy." Which I was like, "Oh, come on, man!" But aside from all of this, um, I. 
uh, Park Reporter stole my number one pound for pound fighter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I really do like Park Reporter though. I've always, I've always liked him. But uh, aside from this, I want to ask you, what, uh, who are you most excited for? Maybe and why uh, the return of uh, Bones or McGregor and. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you so much for the show. Enjoy listening this morning, and uh, have a heck of a morning, everyone. Thanks, buddy. Hmm. I don't know. It's probably... Uh, I don't know. I'm intrigued by both comebacks. It's probably John Jones, just because it's so close. And... Yeah, it's probably John at this point. Connor, I just need to see him on tough and see how he handles himself and see if he can even make it to the fight. I don't know. There's this, I have questions about both guys getting to where they need to get. Um, but John's just closer. And he's on a billboard, and this fight is three weeks less than three weeks away from happening, so... It's probably John, but I'm not confident in that pick. I don't know. It's obviously both guys coming back is big, big for the sport and big for the UFC, but let's see how consistent they can be. Zeke, what's up? My man, Mike, how are you? Oh, Good. for sure. I mean, I want to just tabletop off what you just said because I think that's a very interesting conversation. I mean, I think Connor still's got to get in the Asada pool, right? I mean, I don't know if he's going to get the Connor McGregor eighth Joker card, whatever the hell he owns because he's Connor, but this guy still hasn't passed the drug test in who knows how long and who knows what's in his body right now, man. He looks like the goddamn Incredible Hulk. With that being said, I kind of want to take a little bit off of this main event and then we'll go back to it real quick. Let's talk about next week's main event. I feel horrible for Aaron Blanchfield. I feel like the Tyler Santos fight was great. I thought it was UFC fight night main event worthy. I thought we were going to get five rounds of MMA. I thought it was going to be a very technical fight. She is going into war on Saturday. And as a New Jersey resident, I am scared for my life rooting for her. I wish her the best of luck. I will sit there and go to battle. However, Jessica and Josh is scary. Oh, my God. What do you think about Saturday? And lastly, I just watched it over again. Am I crazy to think Islam won that fight? Not Islam. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, maybe he didn't win it. Maybe it was definitely Islam 48-47. I think that's what John Anik said after the rewatch. However, I think 49-46 is a horrible scorecard, and it's not getting enough attention. Mike, have yourself a heck of a week. So I'll start with the Blanchfield thing. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I was going to – I didn't love the Santos matchup for her either. At this point, but I found paths. Andrade on like nine days notice. Tough. It's tough. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't, I think her and her team weighed, weighed out the pros and cons. And I think the pros outweigh the cons. Is, if she is at all competitive with Jessica Andrade and loses, doesn't do a whole lot against her honestly i think she'll be fine she's 24 25 she's got a long career ahead of her and if she beats jessica andrade she's getting a title shot like she's getting it i didn't think she would necessarily get it beating tyler santos she would have a case for it for sure but i think the ufc would have waited on it maybe given her one more 
Uh, but if she beats Jessica Andrade on short notice, she's getting a title shot. She's getting the winner of Shevchenko versus Grasso for sure. And if she loses and it's somewhat competitive, it doesn't hurt her that much. So pros, cons, all there. Uh, I do disagree with you on the scoring uh, because I think there is a case to be made for 49-46 Islam, just like there's a case to be made for 48-47 Volkanovski. You could have you given Makachev the first four rounds. You could have. If you gave, if you scored at 49-46 for Makachev, I don't think it's a terrible card. I don't. I don't. Personally, it's not what I, how I scored it. But especially after re-watching the fight this morning, Makachev won the first. Makachev won the second. Makachev won the fourth. Volk won the fifth. Three was interesting. I scored it for Volk both times. But if you told me Makachev won that third round, I, I, it's not, I don't think it's that bad of a card. I really don't. There is a case to be made for 49-46 Makachev. So I don't think it's that bad of a scorecard. There are a lot of people on Saturday watching it live who had Makachev up 30-27 after three rounds. A lot of people. So I don't have an issue with that. Bobby, do we have you? You do not. All right. I got to get going. Holy shit. Uh, let's try Escanor. Do we have you? Hello, Mike. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Yeah, good. Uh, I'm just going to go straight to the point. Um, I was just uh, wondering, uh, do you think uh, a challenger is coming on the championship fight deserve the title on the close fight? Wait, say that one more time. Say, so do you think a challenger is coming on a title shot uh, deserve the, the champion on the, on the close fight? Because the fight was pretty close. And when I look back to Makachev's side, he went all the way through Australia. There's a lot of things going on. And I feel like the class was... The fight was too close for Vox to win the title. So I feel like he didn't outclass Mark Hatcher. So what's your take on that? Yeah, so I, I remember probably like five, six years ago, there was always this this talk that, uh, you know, to be the champ, you got to beat him. You got to beat him convincingly. You got to beat him like four rounds to one. Otherwise, like you don't beat him. Uh, I never bought into that. And... Like, the more I've gotten into the space, the less I buy into that. Um, yeah, I don't think it played much of a factor here. Um, I was actually surprised that not one judge gave it for Volk. Gave it to Volk. I thought we were going to Splitty City for sure. And it didn't happen. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. But that argument, and, and I've heard it a lot over the years, you know, Volk, Volk didn't outclass him he didn't beat beat the champion uh it doesn't really work that way it doesn't really work that way but again folk lost but his stock still rose can't really go wrong i mean of course you want to win every fight and it was close but i think more people and, and you've heard it here today 
more people are talking about Volkanovski than they are Islam Makachev. Fair or unfair? All right, last one. Amir, and then I got to go. Amir. Yeah, hi, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to give my opinion. Sure. Um, I had a question to you regarding the fact, and maybe you already talked about it because I joined a bit later, what you think about the fact that then Hooker is accusing Makhachev of using an IV, um, and also what's your take on the fact that a lot of people are saying uh, Folk is still pound for pound number one, even though it were his own words saying it's uh, it's on the line if he loses. Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah, we kind of we address both of those things, but yeah, the hooker accusation—it's tough without proof. That's that's kind of the constant, and the pound for pound thing—it is what it is, man. Like. People have their own definitions for it. I gave it to Makachev over Volk. And as I said earlier, like in our rankings, I, I have Makachev number one. Uh, I don't love it. I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, but I wouldn't, I'd feel the same way if I had Volk up there. I'd be questioning it left and right. Because the only, really the only true answer to these questions is having these guys fight each other. And they fought each other and Makachev won. So to me... I can't have Volk won, even though I was incredibly impressed by him. And I think he might be the better, like just more complete fighter. Uh, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter because they fought and they gave their all. They went all five rounds and all three judges, the people who matter in this conversation, all scored it for Islam Makachev. And I scored it for Islam Makachev. So to me, I can't put Volk one because he didn't win. So Makachev's there, the number one guy. But the way I've kind of theorized it to myself is that they're not one and two. They're one A and one B. Where Makachev's one A, Volkanovsky's one B, and the next guy's number three. That's how I have it in my own mind right now. And if Volkanovsky fights Yair before Islam fights next, and Volk goes out there and does Volk things to Yair Rodriguez and stops him in the fourth round or you know just dominates him, next ranking cycle, probably be Volkanovsky number one. And then if Makachev goes and defends his title and has a dominant win, boom, probably takes it over. But again, come March 5th, none of this might not even matter. Because if John Jones goes out there and kills Cyril Gaon and just runs him completely over, John might be, I mean, John's right in the conversation. He's probably number one. He's probably the guy if he does that to Cyril Gaon. So none of this, like, none of this may even matter come three weeks from now. All right. Terrence, I know you've been waiting for a minute, so I'll get you in, and then I have to go. Hey, thanks for letting me in, Mike. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting you to answer because I need to say I have to go, so I appreciate it. Um, so you can hear me, correct? I got you, yep. So one of the things, a lot of stuff, they already talked, you guys already talked about, so I'm not going to rehash that stuff. Um, one thing I want to talk about is Tatiana Suarez come back in roughly like two weeks or so. 
So with that being said, um, I think her relationship with Patrick Mitch and like has like basically they have been helping each other out in regards to like their career and like growth and development. Like ever since like they got together, it seems like he's done better and look at it, like where he's been. So if she's even more assertive than what she was for, she's going to be a killer. And I know like people saying like, Oh, if regardless, like win or lose for Jessica Andrade, her next match is going to be against Rose. But I think Tatiana's in, in play for either one of them, if she dominates, like I think she's going to. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts on that. And then the other thing I want to talk about is um, Islam. So I'm not going to bring up like the whole, like who won or whatever. Uh, but when it comes to like his actual like motivation and being like strict with everything, I think he needs to be to be there. And I, I think that he wasn't like 100%. And allegedly he was like out partying and there's like pictures floating around him like just doing stuff that is out of character for him and um, something that I think could be wouldn't stand for so I think he wasn't as focused and it's almost like a kid getting away from their parents type thing where oh this person isn't around I'm going to go ahead and do this and he kind of said that like it's like after the call I talked to Khabib and he was like oh you should this or you should did that and it's almost like well I could have did those things if you were here but you weren't here so do you find any credence or it's probably not the correct word, but any validation into like what I'm saying that that probably could have also affected his performance too. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure there's a part of it. I mean, we kept bringing it up, right? Will Habib not being there affect Islam? Most people kind of shrugged it off. Um, and I think there was something to that, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because he won. He still won. He won the fight. The people that matter in scoring the fight all scored it for him. So I think it's actually better for him that Habib's not there. Uh, may not have been the best performance of his career. And who knows how much that factored in or didn't factor in. There's only a couple people in the world who actually know the answer to that question. So I don't factor it in too much. Uh, I'm sure some of the fight week stuff, not having him around, may have been tough. But again... That's the beauty of technology. You can just FaceTime, call Habib anytime you need him, and you can just talk to him there. I know it's not exactly the same, but I don't take a ton of stock into that because he needs to, he needs to create his own identity as a fighter. And I think beating Volk, even though it's a tough fight, even though he's not getting the credit he probably deserves for that performance, uh, that's a step in the right direction in terms of being who, him and not being Habib's guy. So I think that's important. And then the Suarez thing, like, I don't, I agree with everything you just said. The one thing I don't agree with is that Andrade should fight Rose win or lose if she beats Aaron, against Aaron Blanchfield, because I don't agree with that. Because uh, if Andrade loses to Aaron Blanchfield, then the Rose fight, to me, is off the table altogether. But if she wins, the Rose fight's probably still on the table, and on and on we go. But she's got to win. She's got to win. If she waited, Rose is probably the fight. But... She didn't want to wait. So Rose is still in play, but if she loses to Aaron, it's not in play anymore. I don't think so. And we'll see what happens with Tatiana Suarez when she fights Montana De La Rosa. And Tatiana said many times that she wants to go back to 15, so maybe her and Cara Sparza would be a good one. That'd be a fun one. And then we kind of go from there. All right, I got to go. I've gone like 30 
almost 30 minutes longer than I was planning on, but uh, you guys rule. Thank you very much. If I didn't get to you, I apologize. We'll be back on Thursday, and I will get to you. So I'm taking you a little screeny. Boom. Torino, Viking MMA. Uh, come back Thursday. You guys get to jump the line. All right? You guys will be cutting everybody as soon as you put in your request. But, yeah, what a, what a weekend. Uh, thank you to all of you who watched the watch party. The numbers are just ridiculous. They just continue to rise uh, even as each day goes by, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, we got the green light for the next two watch parties for March. So uh, we're definitely doing it for 285. We're definitely doing it for 286. Uh, and I would assume we're just going to keep on doing them. But uh, we are a go for both March pay-per-views. Uh, myself, GC, some special guests. Uh, they're just so much fun. Uh, they they kill me in terms of like how tired I am by the time I get home. Late Sunday night, I need like a full day to just rest my voice and just like rest at like in general uh, when it's all said and done. But it's it's just so worth it uh, to do those shows and be a part of that crew. It's 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 the best. So thank you all for checking that out. Back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, we'll do it again. Uh, Thursday's going to be a great day because uh, it is officially confirmed. Some breaking news. Uh, I've been teasing it, but you never know if it's actually going to happen until it does. Uh, but Thursday, BTL, it'll be Jed Mishu versus Luke Thomas. It is a done deal. It is happening. Official confirmation this morning from the Luke Thomas side. It's going down, 1230 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. BTL, Jed versus Luke. The takes will be spicy. So thank you very much. Back on Thursday. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.